For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hey, 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 hello. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers or for business owners. And if you're a business owner, you know what? You're a marketer too. It's for anyone who wants to know what in the world works with social media marketing. And I'm very excited about today's show. We're going to be talking about podcasting. And I'm going to be interviewing Mitch Joel. And if you don't know who he is, he is the founder of the podcast, the very successful and long-running podcast, Six Pixels of Separation. He's also the author of the book and the blog by the very same name. And we're going to explore why there's a renaissance going on right now with podcasting. And I'm also going to share a really cool tip with you. But first, um, does it bug you that Christmas stuff is coming on already? You know, I was even noticing back in mid-September Christmas stuff all over the place. And, you know, I get it. A lot of businesses, this is the biggest time of the year for them. But, man, we haven't had Halloween. We haven't had Thanksgiving. And I love Christmas. I'm a Christian. I love the, even if you're not a Christian, you should love the Christmas season because it's so much fun. But it just seems like starting it in what appears to be the summertime seems really kind of weird. Maybe I'm not alone. Let me know. Anyways, um, I've got a really interesting uh finding that I want to share with you. So let me go ahead and share that right now. After introducing a vegetarian diet to piranhas, look what Michael Stelzner discovered. I found this really cool tool that you're going to love, especially if you have a Twitter account. And I'm just going to describe it basically as the fakers tool. And basically what it is, is it's fakers.statuspeople.com. And what's really cool about this is you go to this website, fakers.statuspeople.com. You log in with your Twitter account and it does some processing and, you know, a little wheel starts spinning. And then what ends up happening is it tells you what percentage of the people that you're following are fake. (laughs) And it's kind of... um, it's kind of cool, and it's actually it's actually how many fake followers that are your friends, right? So these are people that you have jointly decided to follow back. And um, I'm going to confess that 1% of um, my followers are fake. And I don't know, I've got 40-some thousand followers, so that means like 400 of them are fake people. Now, what's also interesting about this is uh, inactive. It also tells you what percentage of your followers have inactive Twitter accounts. Also interesting enough is 7% of my Twitter followers have inactive accounts. So um, here's how you can use this. You can use this to not just look up the number of people that are fake on your account, but you can look this, you can look up other people to determine if they're fakers. And here's what this means. Let's just say that you see somebody you've never heard of before. They seem to have an outlandishly high number of Twitter followers. You can run their Twitter ID through this tool 
And you can determine whether or not these are people that they bought or whether these are legitimate followers. And if they have a really high faker score, um, then you're going to know something's up, something's awry. So I think this is just a really good way to determine, um, because we all know there's tools out there that I do not advocate that will give you thousands of followers for a price. So anyways, it's fakers.statuspeople.com. Check it out and uh, let me know about what you think about it in the show notes. And I will uh, explain a little later in the show how you can get to those notes. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. So with that, let's transition over to today's expert interview. To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest. I am very excited to be joined today by Mitch Joel. And if you don't know who Mitch is, he's the author of Six Pixels of Separation and also the podcast by the same name. He's also the president of Twist Image and the author of the future book that's going to be coming out next spring, Control-Alt-Delete. Mitch, how are you doing today? I'm great, and it's an honor to be with you, Mike. Well, thank you. So today we're going to talk about podcasting and uh, how it's changed, where it's heading, and Mitch, you have been at this for quite some time. As a matter of fact, uh, you've been steadily recording a podcast every week since 2006, and I think, gosh, what are you on? Episode 320-something, right? Yeah, it's um, it's very humbling when you be, hear it being told back to you. Sort of just do it because you love it. But so it's nice to hear. Yeah. So um, and by the way, I will um, let everyone know that I am a recent convert to Mitch's podcast, and I love it. And I'm starting to listen to your older podcast. So congratulations! I think you got a great show. And by the way, that's why I wanted to bring Mitch on today. Mitch has been at this for a while, and you started back in 2006 which you know seems like quite a long time ago in the technological age that we're in right now. Share a little bit about what got you started and what was it like way back then? We had, we had barns and there wasn't indoor plumbing. There was no electricity. We used to use uh, two cans and a string to actually broadcast the podcast. It was barbaric. Those were the days. Um, <laughs> exactly. Good, uh, good times. Yeah, I, I really do remember back that back in that time frame that I was listening quite aggressively to things like Across the Sound by Joe Jaffe and uh, For Immediate Release, which is Neville Hobson and Shell Holtz, and Inside PR, which at the time was Terry Follis and Dave Jones. All those podcasts are still around in incantations, names, other podcasters, but they're still there. And Jaffe used to lovingly refer to it as the holy trinity of podcasting. And I thought, you know, hmm, I wonder if I could do this. And Jaffe had on one of his episodes, CC Chapman, and a lot of people know CC Chapman through the social media channels, but back then CC was really widely regarded as one of the, the real sort of early adopters of audio podcasting at a very, very popular music podcast back then and, and was, you know, had had a lot of audience. And I remember reaching out to CC and saying to him, you know, how do you do this? Is this complicated? Because I'm, I'm a writer. And I, the, the reason, the real sort of push for it was because I was blogging at the time seven times, seven days a week. And, uh, you know, I really thought on, on a Sunday, it'd be nice to rest. It'd be nice to just talk instead of type. <laughs> I'll just do a podcast. Right. And CC introduced me to some very nascent technology. There's a piece of software called Cast Blaster that was actually really reminiscent of the sort of old radio college decks that you would do use if you were in, in college radio, and I happened to do a show back in the day. And um, yeah, I sort of just got hooked. Now, at the same time, 
ironically, I guess, or somewhat ironically, there was PodCamp. The first PodCamp was happening, which was like this unconference for podcasting. It was being put together by Chris Brogan and Christopher S. Penn and John Wall was there and a couple of the sort of early adopter guys from the, from the Boston, Massachusetts area. And I went down there and, you know, the reason I'm going so long-winded here, Mike, is because I remember driving there thinking my podcast had just started, but I thought, you know, it's over. I mean, it's done. All these people are already podcasting. There's already con- conferences and conventions for You're it. too late to the game, right? Yeah, I was, I was, I was beyond the pale at that point. And I, I sort of laugh at that, looking at, at this sort of legacy of, co- of audio content that I've produced since then. Well, let's talk a little bit about this. Um, back in 2006, when you got into it, um, how are people consuming podcasts back then? The same way they are today, the hard way. <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't as intuitive. You would, the majority of people, I think, were going into iTunes and subscribing in that little podcast tab back then. You know, iTunes has been through many iterations since then. Gotcha. Some of them were probably downloading it uh, and listening to it just sort of live as they downloaded the file, which didn't necessarily make it podcasting. What really ultimately made it podcasting versus an audio program was the fact that you would subscribe through it through, through RSS. Mm-hmm. And that was really it. But there was very limited technology. And you got to remember also transferred, transferring data from your iTunes to your iPhone or iPod back then, because it wasn't an iPhone back then, was laborious. I mean, you had to plug it in and the data transfer times were heavy pieces of data. So no, it was very complex, but I can tell you as a consumer, forget a producer, it was liberating. I mean, I could download five, six hours of very rich content specific to my niche and plug it in through my uh, the cigarette lighter adapter running through the FM transmitter in the car because back then you didn't even plug them in directly into the dashboard or have Bluetooth connectivity. And um, it, it would just take the commute away. Suddenly, it was a pleasure to get into the car because I was listening to stuff that was hyper-relevant to, to my existence. So do you think it was the, um, the iPod itself and the fact that people could download music onto this thing and then all of a sudden people figured out how to get talk onto it, if you will, in podcasting that started it? Or do you think it started with web browsers and people kind of just listening to the streaming content come over their web browser? Well, I think that we had it coming through the web browser prior to it. I think what really made it podcasting was the subscription model. It was the fact that, you know, when you opened up your iTunes or whatever iPod, you know, I podcasting catcher you had then it it said you know mike just published the latest social media examiner and here it is for you so that was really the component that made it podcasting as opposed to streaming audio or downloadable audio i think since then and just in the sort of blurriness of our world we just sort of stick on to the term but you know there's online radio there is downloadable audio and there is this podcasting format that has still kept its name so back in 2006, when you thought you'd missed out, what was the landscape like back then? Was everybody, quote unquote, getting into podcasting? I mean, because I've heard not just you, but other people speak about what it was like back then and what happened to all these people. There was a lot of people trying, and I think that that's what happens when you have access to a media channel and it's free, fast, furious, and fun. People sort of jump in, and I think what happened to to a lot of people is the same thing that happened to a lot of bloggers, which is you just get fatigue. You sort of start asking yourself, is there value in doing this? Why do I keep doing this? Do I have anything to say? My, my gut tells me that the majority of people who were active ran out of steam. And, and you know, in my first book, I talk a lot about this idea that persistence and consistency are, are paramount to being successful in any social media channel. But none of that counts for anything if you yourself don't have a nose for news to a certain degree. You know, this sort of appetite to constantly hunt and seek out 
interesting stories to tell. My background was in publishing magazines and being a journalist. And so I always take for granted those skills of, of creating media, of thinking about new stories to tell and on and on. A lot of the people in my peer group, which was the marketing communication space, were marketing communications professionals. They weren't necessarily people who were constantly on the hunt for the story. And they found themselves looking at their watch and saying, I better publish a podcast. You're not going to get the best content that way. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, let's talk about the word podcasting. Do you think the word podcasting has outlasted its usefulness? Do you think it's going the way of blogging, for example, which is now being you know, replaced with words like publishing or who knows whatever else, you know, online magazines and all this kind of stuff. Do you think that word has some limited usefulness today? It's, it's hard. You know, there's one side of me that always hates the nomenclature. I mean, I still hate the nomenclature on blogging. You know, I, I'm a blogger. I, I never liked it or I'm a podcaster. I, n- I never liked that in terms of just my own feeling about it. Uh, but I don't think it's going away simply because I think it's just part of the zeitgeist at this point. Mm-hmm. And I think people use it somewhat as a distinguishing value against just offering a random piece of streaming audio off of their website. Podcasting to me is the intonation of a regular show. Right. Um, and, and, you know, you and I have, have great conversations both on air and primarily off where we talk about how you explain things to people. And I always marvel at the conversations I have with you because you'll talk about it in the sense of it's like a, it's like online radio. And I don't have, I don't take issue with that at all. Um, but I think that it is different when you're talking about serialized content that comes out in a certain frequency and regularity. Because when I hear online radio, I think it's just streaming 24-7 like regular radio. Right. And this is more serialized and, 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 and scheduled. Well, I like the fact that you use the word show because I do believe that's what you know, we're doing right now. And that's what you're doing with your show is you're putting a show together. It, it's, you know, but the, the problem with show, I think, is a little bit of entertainment factor to it. Um, I, I've been kind of... Um, uh, you're very entertaining, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've, been, I've been kind of noodling with the on-demand side of things because, you know, you hear uh, what's going on with um, Pandora Radio, right? And everybody knows that's on-demand radio to an extent, right? And there's lots of iterations, I'm sure, that are similar to it. And I just started toying with the phraseology on-demand talk or on-demand talk radio because it seems like, especially for so many people that didn't grow into this podcasting world that haven't been at this from the beginning, that have now these smartphones in their pocket, right? And are just beginning to discover what? What's the heck's a podcast? You know, I mean, a lot of people I know that I respect that are marketers still are just now discovering podcasts. And even now they have a hard time wrapping their head around what the heck the phrase means. So, you know, I think that on-demand word, and I think talk or talk radio maybe has some play. I'm just curious what you think about that. Yeah, I I think that it all has merit. Do I feel that, you know, you and I can change the world? I'd like to in a sort of cool, like, let's go for a way. I just know that at the end of the day, I got to tell somebody, go onto iTunes and click on the button that says podcasting, not the one that says online radio, not the one that says talk radio, not the one that says audio programming. Good point. And I think that even within podcasting, Mike, it's so chaotic because I find myself when people say, oh, you do a podcast, they think I do a video podcast. 
And then I always find myself having to correct and say, oh, no, because they're used to like subscribing to TED Talks or to the Nerdist or something like that, right? And and even myself, when I look at new and exciting podcasts, I recently wrote a blog post about this. I I sort of realized that within that, I actually have some of them that are video podcasts, and I don't distinguish between the fact that one's audio and one's video. And that creates a whole other paradox for me. Yeah, and then, you know, the whole video side of things starts getting really confusing because people have YouTube channels and they start syndicating them over to iTunes and they call them podcasts all of a sudden. So it is it is really fuzzy. And I think it's kind of like back in the, the day, I don't know if you remember, back when um, 33, th- uh, when, when the modems were out, remember they had two different standards? Sure. Um, and it was like, which one are you going to go with? <laughs> well, the good news is it all means the same thing. So so let's... But, let, but, you know, so, sorry. To yeah, go ahead. Up, but like, you know, you think about also like blogs. I, I always ask people, is the Huffington Post a blog? Is TechCrunch a blog? I call it online newspaper. Yeah. And so I know you've got your own vernacular for it, but, you know, if you pulled somebody over on the street and you said to them, what would you say the Huffington Post is? They'd probably say it's a blog. And I look at it and I go, wow, like, is this a blog? Is it, is it an online personal journal that's diarized, date? And you, know, and you sort of start looking at it and go realizing that a lot of the definitions we have are creating layers of fuzziness simply because of this sort of moment of dramatic change. Now, do I think it'll all flush out in the end? Because, you know, I'll, t- I'll tell you this story and I tell this in the new book, so you'll get a preview of it before May of next year. But... I, I, someone told me you got to rent this great movie. It's called Urbanized. Same guys who did the movie Helvetica and Objectified, and I love these guys. And so I download this movie from iTunes and I put it on my iPad. And I get on this flight uh, going to LA and I watch it on the flight to LA. And I get to LA and I turn the movie off and I stop and I realize what just happened. Was that a movie? Right, because think about it. I didn't. I didn't drive to a cinema. I didn't buy popcorn. I didn't buy a ticket. I didn't rent. You know, it. It, it has no characteristics of what we would define as a true movie, uh, but yet it's called a movie. Um, Good point. And that's sort of what we do. But really, what is it? It's it's video. Yeah. Uh, just like uh, it could have been an hour and a half of a YouTube series. It could have been. It could have been anything. But we do as human beings like to sort of put it into a corner and where we're at now with this content work that you and I are currently recording, I would qualify, qualify it as, as a podcast. And I wouldn't call it online radio because it's not available and while it's available 24 hours a day, but it's not running 24 hours a day, but that's my own weird definition. Cause that's how I, how I put the rails around it. I like how your mind works. Um, let's talk about podcasting and when it kind of fuzzed out because the reason, the reason I'm saying this is, um, I think you and I both agree that there was a heyday of podcasting and then all of a sudden it seemed like that that day just kind of became less and less popular. When if you had to stick a date on the calendar or or a year, when would you say podcasting kind of fuzzed out and why? Yeah, I don't know if I totally agree with that description. How I would say it in my world is that I don't think podcasting lived up to the expectations of what it could be driven by the fact that social media became extremely popular and blogging continued to ascend. And I think that podcasting somewhat had this moment where we, where we, the producers realized it's not so intuitive and easy to grab. So that's going to be, that's going to be customer limiting. And at the same time, it sort of reached this, this point where the people who were doing it a lot maybe realized there wasn't as much value in it for what they were trying to accomplish. And it's sort of, went away. I don't know what year it would be. I don't know if I could sort of put put a sort of pin in the calendar. I've never been good with that. But I, I think it was slowly after it was dubbed the next big thing. 
Yeah. And I think it was dubbed the next big thing only because people intuitively went, we had text, blogging, then we had images, Flickr, things like that, and then audio. This is before video broadband became powerful. And it was like, oh, wait, the audio didn't happen, so podcasting must have died. I don't think it ever died. I just don't think it, it ascended at the same rate of pace as other media, and I think also partially because of how we consume audio. If you look at audio in the grander sphere of how we consume media, audio ranks lower than text and video, good and images for sure. Good point. Um, I hear some people say that podcasting is going through a renaissance right now. As a matter of fact, you said um, in a blog post that it's resurrecting, which implies that it did die, <laughs> To you, you know, using that vernacular. So why do you think things are changing now? For, for me, it was a couple of things. I started realizing that more and more people were saying, you got to hear this piece of audio. And when I would click over to see what they were talking about, I was suddenly welcomed into this world of, of people like Chris Hardwick at The Nerdist. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about Kevin Rose and his amazing video podcast called Foundation. Um, Alec Baldwin, who does this show uh, where he interviews amazing celebrities, Mark Moran. And, and uh, I think it's called F, what's his, what's his podcast called, Mark Moran? It's called F, FTW. I'm not sure. Something like that. I'll probably remember it at some point soon. Oh, WTF. Sorry. It's called WTF. Very, very famous. And, um, it, for me, the reason why I said it was sort of like this renaissance or this resurrection is because I realized that the quality had come into its own. Mm. The And I, I don't mean quality, I mean quality in terms of production. I mean quality in terms of technology and delivery. You can get it really fast. I mean quality in terms of just the people who are creating shows. Uh, and it just felt to me like, you know, this feels like this could be it. Like this could be this sort of moment where more of the mass that we expected in, in podcasting would come to be. There are guys like Cliff Ravenscraft and others who will say it was always growing. Growing, You know, uh, Tom Webster from Edison Research has research that says that, you know, podcasting listeners have always grown. And I believe they have grown. I just don't think they've had the massive leap of, of adoption that Twitter had. Well, Cliff, <laughs> yeah, Cliff tells me he believes it's going through a renaissance. Um and I think, um, I think that, I don't know, I think there's a couple of reasons why I'm just going to guess here, but I think you've got, um, a lot of, um, broadcasters maybe from the traditional world that are starting to get in and these entertainers that you mentioned, you know, uh, maybe they got a taste of Twitter and began to realize, oh my gosh, I can have my own audience independent of a network. Um, and maybe they just began to see all these people doing stuff with blogs and maybe they decided, well, heck, there's this other channel. Let's give it a shot. But I, I'm, I'm. I believe there is a renaissance going on right now. And I think a big part of it, Mitch, is because you got these 300 million people walking around with iPhones and iPads and however many hundreds of millions with Androids that now have the ability to consume this content. And now that the audience is there, you know, um, in a major way, I think that the, uh, the shows are following. I don't know. Do you think there's any, any possibility of that? As you, as you started speaking, I wrote down here, devices, untethered, and LTE. So we're on the exact same wavelength. I was yeah. sort of like banging my head going, I should have mentioned the fact that obviously the fact that we have these devices now in our hands and they're so ubiquitous is a huge factor. Uh, Apple released a podcasting app that's phenomenal. I hope more and more people download it. But yeah, it's the fact that we're untethered, right? We're no longer, it's a big, wow, that's a big audio file. I'll listen to it off of my computer at lunch, right? Those days have, have somewhat disappeared. Now you can have it living in the cloud. My, 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 my content is in the cloud, right? I can listen to it on my MacBook Air, on my iPad, or on my iPhone. And if you're an Android user, same. You can, on your tablet, on your, on your 
PC or, or your device. The other thing is definitely speed, right? When you have LTE, which is essentially broadband, if not faster capacity in the palm of your hand, suddenly all of that plays into you can just hit the play button on the on the player on my on my blog page versus even having to download the physical app and downloading make sure when you unplug it that you can still listen to it so all of these things are, are playing into it and yeah I, I actually do think that more and more people adopt mobile and tablet you'll have more and more people who are going to just be naturally curious to get better content let's talk about show formats a little bit um i know you probably listen to a lot more podcasts than i do because i'm kind of a newbie to all this but what are some of the different formats you're seeing? And, and for what it's worth, let's explain your format as well. My format has shifted a little bit over the years. The early days of my show was about me providing audio commentary on stuff. And I would literally choose two or three things and I would just blab about them. And I w- it was very loose and very free. And I would usually do a little, my little six points of separation because the name is six pixels of separation. So the sort of six things that I would tactically do based off of the content that I had. I, I, and again, in the spirit of experimentation, just not being bored, I decided to transition it into the area where I was doing conversations. And the reason why is I love Charlie Rose and I love Howard Stern. And I wanted to create a piece of content, humbly, of course, where I could have conversations with people that I would love to put in a corner and ask them questions of who would never give me the time of day and spend 45 minutes or 20 minutes talking to them. And so that's really where I'm at. It's a conversation about marketing and communications and it, it is, it's pretty nebulous and it's, it's inside baseball and it's in depth. And I like sort of being known as the marketers marketer type of guy where I'm giving other marketing professionals access to people they would love to put in the corner and ask questions to. And that's, that's my role. Uh, I actually like that as a format in general. That being said, I, I have nothing but but love for podcasts where people are actually producing really interesting long-form pieces of content, sort of like the NPR, Ira Glass, telling stories. Love that. Um, I'm not a big fan of the uh, just sort of blabbing ones anymore. I used to like those a lot more, the sort of narrative storytellers. I've, I've grown somewhat fatigued on that. Much like I am when I watch a video podcast, I can't watch a talking head. Just right. a person like doing an audio podcast, but they have to be staring into a camera. Usually doesn't, it, it, you know, it doesn't really strike my fancy. So uh, those are the, are, are the types of formats you see. The general thing really is, is the Q&A, the sort of interview type. Yeah, I mean, and that's uh, that's been the crux of our show as well, um, because I just love interviewing. I know it's one of my skills, and I think people like a conversation rather than a monologue. And um, you know, um, I think a lot of these people that started podcasts even more recently and that are petering out find it challenging to just talk to a microphone. <laughs> well, it is. It's not. It's not intuitive. And, and the other side is you can look to people like Shira Lazar and what she's doing with her What's Trending show, and it's like it, it's like entertainment tonight quality. They've got a studio. They build stories. They go out with cameras. They do remotes. I mean, it's pretty amazing. And I look at that and I go, Would I like to do that? I probably would. But the truth of the matter is, and, and Mike, you have the skill set of conversation. I'd like to think I have a little bit of the gift of the gab as well. Oh yeah. But it's also easier. I mean, it really is easier for me to say, hey, Mike, I need an hour of your time or 45 minutes of your time. I want to interview you then. You know, I got to set up this shot. I need you to come into the studio. Or I need to go there. And I, I just don't have my whole my whole podcasting and blogging time is is on top of the fact that I run an agency with three other partners and 
a lot of employees in two offices. So I, I, my time is, is, is really tight and I use it as a place. I always, my podcast is the most selfish thing I do. But you love it. Uh, you love it, don't yeah, you? I, I love it because it's self. It's how I learn. I interview people and I ask them questions that I'm, I'm struggling with. And the only social media aspect of it is the fact that I publish it after. But it, it is, I don't look at my stats. I don't look at any, I really do it be, as, a, as a selfish act for me to learn. And the, the only social part is the fact that I share it later. <laughs> well, the good news is a lot of people are learning in the process that you learn. And um, now I want to talk about your show a little bit because you start off with uh, a, a question. Um, I think it's, so who are you and what do you do, right? Isn't that kind of what your opening question is? I do. And it seems like um, this is a question, for example, that Robert Scoville does in a lot of his video stuff. And I see a lot of other podcasters doing this. Um, I'm curious why you do that. And I want to just challenge you a little bit as to whether or not that's <laughs> ideal for the conversation to kind of put the guest in, in the role of having to describe themselves. I'm just curious, what's the, what's the rationale behind that? It's really funny. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know that, that Robert d- d- does that. And someone told me after, like, hey, you guys start your show the same way. And I was like, what? I didn't, I didn't know. Um, when, when I started doing it, and you got to remember, I spent about 15 years interviewing very, very famous people, music industry and entertainment industry. And you knew who they were and you knew what they were about. I saw it as a way to have the person communicate who they are to an audience that may not be familiar with what they're about. The other reason I do it is because I sound really good before I get on stage when someone reads the bio that my mother wrote. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a top 40 under 40 and award-winning uh, you know digital right. agency uh and and i there's two ways to look at it one way is you know when you do the introduction he's a great blogger and he's a great writer i i'm one of those guys who's very shy and believe it or not and i sort of recoil a little bit like oh it's so embarrassing to hear that about yourself i, I like the idea of someone trying to explain very succinctly who they are and what they're about and I'll tell you my turnaround for that question and the reason I kept at it is I interviewed Seth Godin and I've interviewed him many, many times. I've had the pleasure of becoming an acquaintance of his. And I said, so who are you and what do you do? And Seth said, um, I think about things or something. <laughs> and I thought, you know, this is coming from the best-selling author, guru, guy, whatever, who, who really very succinctly defined what he's about. Yeah, interesting. And I, I like that. Like, I sort of like that because, you know, listen, if it's someone massive who says something like that, I'm like, you know, we all know Seth is the best. I can do the, the sort of like promoted bio after, right. but at the same time, I find that it sets an equal level between myself and them and also how they would define themselves in an ele- you know, If you ran into somebody in the elevator and you said, so, so who are you and, and what do you do? Yeah. You have to answer that. You can't go, don't you? I mean, do you know, you know, like, like Scott Stratton from Unmarketing goes, you know, I'm kind of a big deal on Twitter. You know, it's like, <laughs> I know it's hilarious. I mean, and I answer that question differently every time, depending on who the heck's asking me. Right. Well, okay. That's good. I'm glad you kind of gave some input on that. Um, let, let's transition over to you giving a tip. Um, and this is really my last question. I'd like you to give some words of wisdom to people out there that are beginning podcasters or people that are thinking about beginning to podcast. What advice would you give them, Mitch? Well, one is I think really think about what you want the show to be known for when it ends. Really think about it after it's died and gone away and say to yourself, what legacy would I want this show to have? And the reason I say that is because people get fatigued, they run out of steam, they run out of ideas really, really fast, they wind up getting locked into what they do and it winds up getting 
boring or, or, or not interesting. So one is just sort of think about that legacy and, and build it out. Two is once you have the legacy, think about creating an editorial calendar. If I was going to record a show every week for 20 minutes, what would four months look like? How long will I commit to this before realizing if it's good or bad? Three is why are you doing this? What do you want the outcome to be of having a show? Is it you want fame? Is it you want more clients? Is it you want uh, people who are famous to know who you are? All of those may be good, bad, neutral, but having that plan is important. And then, you know, the last point is, is just, you know, do some research on it before. Look at people set up, look at how Cliff Ravenscraft puts together podcasts. They're podcasting for dummies books. There's lots of resources online. Listen to a lot. One of the things I did was I, I took a lot of notes. Uh, and my last little trick, actually, it's a sort of trick I learned is I actually started contributing to podcasts before I published my own podcast, meaning at the time you could call into Joe Jaffe's podcast or for immediate release or inside PR and I would guest host or add audio. Hmm. And I got a feel a little bit for what my voice was, what my thinking was like, and if, if, if it aligned with it. Um, and then ultimately, you know, it's a, it's a very forgiving space. Try it. If you don't like it, stop it. And I guess we should say that you and I both believe there is a renaissance going on right now. And this is a pretty good time to get into podcasting, wouldn't you agree? I mean, even though it's been around for a while. Um, you, yeah, the, the big thing for me, Mike, really lately has been the fact that a lot of these new cars, too, you can transmit by Bluetooth. And I, I'm a big, or they have the plug-in. For me, these are, these are really the big things when you can make this content more and more accessible. Because I believe that audio content is, is best consumed when you're commuting. And whether you're sitting in a car or, or, or riding the subway. Or walking. Or walking or going taking me to the dog. I get I get this I got I just got stopped and I was at Dreamforce in, in San Francisco and multiple people stopped me and said, I love your podcast. The only problem is I have to stop walking the dog and write write my the notes down after I always get stories <laughs> like that. I'm working out, I'm walking the dog, I'm commuting. And we have to remember that that's really when people have that moment alone to create that theater of the mind. So that's the space for it. Well Mitch, um, I love your mind. It's been a great conversation. If folks want to learn more about your podcast and anything else you've got going on, where would you send them? Sure. Well, you can always just Google Mitch Joel, but the the, the link for my blog is www.twistimage.com forward slash blog. And if you replace the blog with podcast, you'll find the podcast, but it's all sort of in- interlinked over there. And I would imagine if they go into iTunes, they could just search for your name. Six pixels or Mitch Joel, you'll see it. Mitch Joel, thank you very much for your time today. It's been a wonderful to have you on the show. Listen, anyone who's ranking number one this fast, I'm happy to be a part of. (laughs) Thank you, Mitch. Well, be sure to check out Mitch's podcast, Six Pixels of Separation. I think you'll probably find a lot of really great content there. I know I've been listening to quite a few of his episodes. Also want to mention that you can get to the show notes for this particular episode at socialmediaexaminer.com slash nine. This does bring us to the end of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. If you like what you've heard, would you do me a favor and head over to iTunes and um, give us a rating and a review. And if you really love the show, we would love a five-star rating. Um, I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com 
slash get updates.